0: Hey, how's it going? It's Keith Townsend, principal of the CTO advisor. I'm going to go join with a a new guest, uh, new to me in a couple of ways, one new to the podcast and new coworker, Guy Courier, a contributor here at Futurum Group. Guy, welcome to the podcast. Hi,
1: thanks, Keith. It's great to be here.
0: So we're here at SuperCompute 23. Uh, This conference has been going on for 35 Mm -hmm. years. This is my first supercomputer. What about you? Third. Third.
1: And uh, when was the last time you uh, came to the show? Well, I was here last year. And then before that, it was maybe six years ago. So
0: you missed uh, the big disappointing show in St. Louis, I think it was? Yeah, yeah. But other than that, this is like... 15,000, 16,000 people here somewhere. I haven't gotten no official numbers, but it's a, it's a nice crowd.
1: Yeah, they were telling us this might be the biggest ever. Mm-hmm. And really, it's it's no surprise uh, because, you know, everything all over is all AI right now, and uh, AI systems are supercomputing systems. So let's talk about this. You know, let's just jump into
0: the deep end. Obviously we're in the beginning of the AI hype cycle. Everything has AI in it. And I don't know if supercompute has ever been considered an AI show. Machine language, definitely. I'm sorry, machine learning, definitely. A lot of scientific compute, a lot of use of GPUs, nothing new to this group. AI, you know, we kind of pooh-poohed on the term AI years previous because AI meant something specifically versus machine learning. So, you know, you're a veteran of this show. What, how, how do you think the AI conversation overlaps with the supercompute conversation?
1: Well, so I've been um, doing uh, HPC, mm-hmm. uh, high performance computing for, you know, quite a long time. And AI first started really cropping up seriously within HPC discussions um, three or four years ago, because uh, efficiency is really important in HPC, meaning efficient use of the systems because they are so much in demand and the the performance needs so far outstrip even the very advanced and advancing capabilities we have today, right? So AI, not generative AI, mind you, Mm -hmm. AI is just speaking really broadly. Um, has been one way to start to more efficiently queue up jobs, for example, um, and to more efficiently uh, run and rerun jobs with differing parameters to get to results more quickly. Now, that said, those are what you might call minor subsystems of the overall. They might not even run on the particular supercomputing cluster we're talking about, right? Um, But that has, like, it's such an academic field, HPC and supercomputing is so academic, so naturally there have been a great deal of studies and research done just around linking AI to HPC. So the thing is now, of course, like you said, the HPC world and supercomputing world is very familiar with the use of accelerators, uh, data center graph GPUs, and very advanced um, high-speed, low-latency computing Infrastructure. um, And a lot of those elements are what you need for successful AI. We've all known this, but with ChatGPT and generated AI, all of a sudden everybody wants to get in on this and understand it better. The key thing for me, and I think for uh, everybody to understand, is the critical differences in what an AI supercluster or cluster, sorry, should look like compared to what an HPC one is. But those differences are your second step. Your first step is understanding that getting great performance, incredible performance, game-changing performance out of infrastructure is something these folks have been doing for a really long time.
0: Yeah, and it kind of became real for me the first day uh on monday i got in a little bit early the conference has been running since sunday this is tuesday afternoon and i got in sunday i mean monday morning and i went to a session about uh best practices for hpc in the public cloud put on by aws i was blown away by the velocity of the course Well uh, it's eight hours and you're trying to get in best practices of HPC and cloud. Two things when you put them together, you know, are kind of life, life career long learning pursuits in themselves and so you're mashing them together. We went through kind of the fundamentals of AWS all the way to uh, creating a swarm cluster within AWS like an hour into the presentation. So, you know, it's, it's an amazing velocity. But I think it's representative of what CTOs, CIOs, and their teams are experiencing as the business is waking up to the possibilities of AI, and they're asked to implement these highly complicated systems, whether you know you're talking about on premises, and a shared colo facility, a SaaS provider, or even in the public cloud. This is not, these are not simple systems, especially given that
1: most of us don't even know what we want out of them. Yeah, no, exactly. And by the way, I'm really jealous that you got to attend that session because um, that's where uh, our visions and the visionary nature of the aspirations that we have for AI and for really the use of supercomputing, um, that's where it collides with reality, right? understanding the details, and you you get caught up. The devil really is in the details here. Really is in the details. There are so many bottlenecks. There are so many potential sources of, especially when you're doing sort of cloud-based deployments. Cloud and HPC, they don't mix really well. Right. When you mix them properly, you got a delicious salad dressing just like oil and (laughs) beer, right? But on their own, it just sort of, they, they, they don't necessarily combine because of the high, or I should say low tolerance that Um, Whether it's an AI training system or or implementation or, uh, you know, a uh, a simulation of some kind, the low tolerance that they have for um, hiccups, difficulties, latencies, missing data, um, or even for uh, um, uh, security and access concerns on the other end, right? Um, I think that, that what, you know, I would look at, you know, I have a sort of quasi CTO role Looking at the technology that we're using at Futurum Group and at my part of Futurum Group, which is called Visible Impact, um, I think that that for the from the CTO standpoint, um, you have to understand a lot about the life cycle of these applications. Um, you can get immediate benefit from cloud-based HPC or, or AI, or I wouldn't say immediate, but very quick benefit. But that just like everything else. How tailored is that going to be to your particular mission, to your organization, to your goals? As you move in your journey towards adoption, you're going to progress further and further in developing that life cycle to suit your own particular needs.
0: Yeah, as I I delved into many of the sessions here, much of the low-level technology, I found it extremely important you know, just fundamentals of engineering, gather the requirements first. And we're not talking about performance or maxims. Just basically, what are you looking to do? I remember what was it? AWS reInvent circa 2017 when they announced their deep vision and it was hot dog, not hot dog. Yeah. Uh, It showed the power of AI and machine learning, and now that we have generative AI,
1: that's a completely different model and a set of capabilities. And a different infrastructure and a different, uh, it's sort of a different training cycle of its own. Uh, those who've delved a little bit into ML ops, you know, machine learning, ML ops, sort of corollary to DevOps, you mm-hmm. can see how different, you actually have two production flows in, 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 in AI and ML. Um, so... Uh, uh, th- these paradigms are different and your starting point, like you said, what is it that you're trying to accomplish? What is it that you're trying to do? Uh, doesn't just define how you take that journey, but which pathways you're going to choose, which ones are likely to be more productive. There's so much unknown right now. And the, but I should add one other thing. This, this sort of cloud paradigm sort of matching with this sort of agile paradigm and all these sort of things about fast failure and trying things and and, and minimum, minimum viable You know, Mm -hmm. uh, product product and that sort of stuff um, can apply just as well in the AI world. It really doesn't apply in the HPC world. Mm -hmm. And so that's another case in which um, we want to apply the learnings of HPC, um, but we need to bring, you know, our, let's say, our more uh, creative, HPC is creative, but our more uh, expansive enterprise business orientation. Even, even in the academic world.
0: Yeah, I've run HPC in the enterprise before, and thou shalt not mix data center operations with HPC. Oh, They're not the same. The uh, requirements are not the same. Yeah. The operations are not the same. The security profiles are not the same. It's just the, the overall concerns are not the same. And as we're approaching AI projects and AI infrastructure, it's the same. Uh, challenges or, 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 or set of differentiating cha- challenges, you know, if you need to do some facial recognition, you may not need to retrain or create a whole other train. You might be able to find a SaaS type solution that mm-hmm. will do that for you versus net new things that you need to, uh, which we'll move in the next phase of our conversation, using some of these high end GPU based systems. Uh, I've heard a new term here uh, that I had not heard before, accelerated computing or accelerated focused computing, the idea that we're uh, using primarily accelerated computing next to CPUs or uh, GPUs basically essentially next to CPUs where the primary compute is the GPUs. Now we're seeing these all-in-one systems and uh, uh, they kind of overtake our traditional view of a server you know H, uh, nvidia just announced the h200 you know that's the the big boy uh, amd has the 300 series uh intel has their guard. got G- gpu these are data center gpu accelerators yeah, yeah the uh, gpu yeah data center gpu accelerators is nvidia the only game in town
1: or are we you know, help me put some context around this. Where, well, let me tell you, one of the largest, I, and I, I'm I'm embarrassed, I don't remember the name of it, but one of the largest um, supercomputers in the world right now is actually 100% Intel. Intel has oh, that was the Aurora, the yeah. the two Aurora, that yeah, the Aurora. two. The wanna... I just heard that word five minutes ago, and I forgot it already. So yeah, the Aurora. Um, Nvidia is by far. I mean, I, I would say Nvidia's dominance of this industry right now is greater than Intel's was in CPU, in x86, well, in CPUs generally, let's say, 20 years ago. Um, they are not the only game in town, but they are right now the sun, moon, and stars of ex- accelerators. You mentioned accelerated uh, accelerated uh, computing, uh, focused computing. Uh, I, I think you might also be talking about GPGPU, which is general purpose computing on on GPUs. Um, NVIDIA. This is something NVIDIA has pioneered, and it's a way to um, uh, a way to process uh, to host uh, workloads uh, using primarily GPU systems mm-hmm. and not CPUs so much anymore. And as you know, one of the trends lately in these architectures is to use the CPUs almost 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 as a traffic cop or a manager or a supervising chip, where most of the work is done by the GPUs and the CPUs are really uh, handling uh, in and out and, and, you know, workflows and, like, all that other sort of stuff. Um, I mean, the, the essential difference between, uh, or the essential uh, addition that GPUs provide to a system is to be able to uh, perform um, uh, computations or processing in a massively parallel form and a massively repetitive form. So, you know, uh, typical computing for general purpose use uh, does not lend itself to that. Right. But when you're talking about uh, operating neural nets or or processing graphics, um, computer vision, image recognition, uh, and a great deal, but not all, by far from all, of high-performance computing applications where you're doing simulations, modeling, um, uh, forecasting, that sort of thing, Many of the calculations, however complex they may be, however large the data sets or high precision, the measurement's being used, they're highly repetitive and can be highly parallelized. And that's where something like a GPU can be helpful. So I'll I'll put some context around this. I had a uh, great
0: conversation with a buddy of mine, Ray Lucichi, who hosts the Great Beers and Podcast. I mean, Great Beers On Storage Podcast, Alongside me, a couple of other folks, has been researching AI since like 1976, I think he told me. And he recently took a course, and at the end of the course, they had a hackathon. And the hackathon was to take a, to develop a uh, 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 machine learning algorithm for Pong to play, teach a computer to play Pong. So yeah, yeah. for basically, Four lines of code or algorithm. Basically, if, if the dot comes at the top of the screen, move the paddle up, middle of the screen, move it, I mean, uh, up a quarter, you know, all the way down to the fourth. Those were the four lines of logic. So, this repetitive process, the machines will play a game, they would play 500 games. The neural net would then learn off the 500 games and he would run the, the entire learning would be 2,000 of these packages. So you're talking about 500 to the 2,000th degree of repetitive processes. And this is the, that, that process you're talking about. On the NVIDIA, I think he said 3070 or 3060, it takes days to run you add more GPUs, you add more uh, CUDA cores, you reduce that time. And now uh, you take this very, very simple with just basically four parameters uh, algorithm. It takes days to run on a fairly beefy desktop system with a accelerated compute. My mind starts to break with what happens if you add additional parameters? like? how much more difficult that problem becomes for a CPU to solve
1: versus a GPU. If the instruction set, or the, sorry, the, the, the computations required fall within the capabilities of the GPU,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, it's more than just add plus, you know, multiply, divide, but not, honestly, not a hell of a lot more. But it does it very, very well. It does it very, very fast, and it does it on a mass basis and furthermore, the software and the ability to code these systems is extremely mature at this point. So there are lots of what you might call tricks to get more out of the same number of compute units um, uh, when you're thinking GPUs uh, uh, talent and energy that used to go into CPUs and a more a larger you know set of calculations now we're going to the smaller one to get more out of the same amount or exponentially more out of a larger amount.
0: And they actually talked about that when they talked about the Supercompute 500 green list, which was that we're getting to the end of Moore's law. We're getting to the end of getting efficiency out of hardware directly. And we're getting to a point where the efficiencies have to come through better code, more efficient code.
1: Well, yeah, I'm sorry. I've been doing this for a while, doing this (laughs) business for a while. And it seems like we're on on a three to five year cycle where everything's going to be solved by software and then everything's going to be solved by hardware. We are definitely in a software development phase. Um, The market has been pushed uh, very hard towards um, its limitations, its physical limitations with current technology and current capabilities. Not that, I mean, you know, I I mentioned NVIDIA AMD itself has done remarkable things with its microarchitecture Um, to bring memory processing and that CPU orchestration component. Or processing component does processing too. There's a lot of HPC that uh, can't really use a GPU because of the complexity of the calculations required uh, and the interdependency of them. But in any case, um, uh, certainly there is a lot of fruit to be found in these kind of tricks. There's a lot being done right now with data structures. Uh, a lot of people may not know uh, AI uses much smaller data structures, like mm-hmm. much lower precision, four bits worth of data at a time versus 64 bits worth of data at a time, uh, uh, so to speak. Um, uh, new, new numbers that are encoded at a lower precision, and there's a lot of creativity around that right now for AI purposes, all to get more out of the same amount of silicon.
0: Yeah, that was quite amazing. I think I referenced it out if I had not now put it in the show notes basically the basic concepts of LLMs and training of LLMs extremely... The base concept is extremely simple. right? And uh, I, I forget who it was I was having the conversation with, and I have to check the data, but they were saying the overall data set that uh, a, a typical LLM is trained on is like 80 gigs, but the, uh, the repetitiveness and the predictions that eighty gigs might as well be in you know kind of translating into the data center world. So, several petabytes of of traditional data center analytics and searches and capability because of the repetitiveness and the complexity, the resulting complexity of the uh, of the jobs we're running on GPUs. I'm having a wildly time coming up to speed on AI. I still feel like a kindergarten and uh, okay. an advanced algebra course. And when I'm coming to these events, I love it, Guy, that folks are like you are here to break down these topics for me. Uh, do I, I, I know you're on Futurum Group, just general as a contributor. Can people find you anywhere other than the Futurum Group?
1: No, that's, that's the place to find me right now. Okay. Um, so futurumgroup.com. You can look in the analyst directory. You'll see me there. Um, You can look at uh, uh, in our Insights section to see uh, some of the articles I've been publishing there. And hopefully you can find me on a few more podcasts and maybe a video or two now and then. Yeah, we'll make sure to have you. uh,
0: I did not bring the camera to this event, but I'll make sure to have you on a CTO Advisor webinar soon as we talk through uh, not just AI. You have uh, pretty good knowledge across the spectrum of uh enterprise technology i'm looking forward to learning more from you. thanks i'm looking forward to having those discussions with you if you want to learn more about the cto advisor you can find us on the web the ctoadvisor.com we're not quite integrated into the future groups website you are not going to find me under uh insights and analysts yet on the future group site you can still find all of my musings on the ctoadvisor.com going to find out uh you want to engage with me i am still on x.com at cto advisor and of course always on linkedin talk to you next cto advisor podcast